0: the short podcast platform. Hello, my friend, and welcome back to The Closet Space. My name is Vic Ravindran, and I'm so excited to share the second half of my first season with you all my first six episodes, I was able to speak to a variety of amazing individuals about their unique journeys coming out of their personal closets, and how it shaped who they are today. So to kick off my second six episodes, I wanted to talk to someone very special. Super funny, super gay, and super great at hosting podcasts, it's me! Or as Elphaba from Wicked would say, It's me! That's right, I'm going to be my very own guest this week. I figure after sharing so many people's stories with you all that it was time for you to hear some of mine. Hopefully this will help you fill in the picture of who I am outside of a host and why I do what I do. In this episode, I'll be sharing two of my coming out journeys. The first covering my experience in the usual gay closet, and the second, a closet that may be a hair different than the ones you've come to know. Without further ado, my episode with me. I have always loved Halloween. The creative and personal freedom that day can give a closeted gay brown boy should not be underestimated. The day screams transform, let your freak flag fly, you can be whoever or whatever you want and you will be rewarded for it with candy. No other day compares. And while that day of transformation has been and will remain my favorite holiday, moments of metamorphosis in the real world can be truly terrifying. And unlike on Halloween, actual change can be permanent and may come with consequences, which is why it shouldn't surprise you that when I was talking to my university's campus psychological counselor about coming out, I said I want everyone to know but nothing to change. Like many other gay men, I have known for most of my life that I'm gay. There may have been some moments when I was younger when I thought I could outsmart it, but the gay was always one step ahead. And while some around me may have suspected it, I was often given a pass as an eccentric class clown. I even started high school with a girlfriend, my longtime best friend since second grade. We split after three months, but we're still friends now. Hi, Katie. But by 14, 15, the internal struggle of coming out was rearing its head within me. I didn't necessarily want to share the news with anyone outside of the straight boys who I was constantly falling in love with. Eventually, I told myself I was being strategic that coming out in high school in early 2000s, Orange County, was not advantageous for me and would not help me obtain the things I wanted most. I wanted to host talent shows and play romantic leads and plays and be senior class president, all of which I did, no big deal. But so much of me felt like that would not be possible if I was out. That isn't to say that my school was a hostile environment. There was an outgay student who I was friends with and who was very boldly himself and who was well-liked by many. But I wasn't ready to be defined by the label, nor was I brave enough to own it the way he did. So I graduated high school with my secret intact, and I headed to Chapman University heavily considering the idea of starting off gay. But the thought of introducing myself to a new world and new people as someone other than who I've been publicly for the past 18 years was disorienting. So I stayed in the closet. I got started with school, made new friends, joined a fraternity, and while the fast and furious assimilation into my new world was exciting and everything college should be, I couldn't help but feel like I made my coming out situation so much harder. So many friends who I feel like I've lied to. So many new people that I would eventually have to tell. People I could lose. But there was a refrain in my head that would occasionally say, Can you imagine being 20 years old and not being out yet? It wasn't necessarily a deadline, but rather my inner gay monologue passing some casual judgment on my lack of action. And it's true, it was becoming harder for me to fathom the idea of denying myself the opportunity to be authentically me for two whole decades. With my mind at a fever pitch, I decided I was going to push myself to make a change. However, that manifested. My first choice being to sign up for my campus's free psychological counseling services. I remember being terrified when filling out the start paperwork and it asked reason for a visit. Do I write that I'm gay? I'm not trying to create physical evidence here. But the first meeting was productive. I told her that I was gay point blank as soon as I sat down, and she received it like a pro. I'm sure this was not her first gay kid coming out in college rodeo. She asked about my fears and my hopes for coming out, my reasons for hesitation, and worst case scenarios. Having an objective point person outside of my family and friends to be able to talk through those difficult ideas was so essential to finding my footing in that vulnerable time. I still hadn't reached a point where I could share that side of myself with my peers, though. Thankfully, musical theater was about to accelerate my coming out journey. In the second semester of my sophomore year, I was cast as a lead in Crazy Just Like Me, a student-produced show that followed a young man who was coming out, falling in love with his soon-to-be-married best friend, and seeing a psychological counselor to help ease his mind. It was uncanny. Those few months of my life were very meta, as I went to rehearsals and quote-unquote acted out the emotional throes of coming out, singing the words, I'm gay telling my male acting partner that I had feelings for him, and eventually doing it in front of audiences that included my friends and family. I remember going home with my family after the finale and laughing awkwardly when my mom playfully said, that was a great show, but don't come home and say that for real now. Oh, mom. Sweet, simple mom. I told my family on Mother's Day that year. It was hard. There were a lot of raised voices. My mom was pretty frantic and quick to accuse me of being confused or lying. My dad was concerned for my future and wanted me to be as well. My brother seemed to relish seeing the golden child taking a hit. But in that moment, I had accomplished something that I had been meaning to do for a lifetime, and I left knowing that their reaction to my truth was not in my control. It's good to be able to look back at that moment 11 years later and know that my family eventually came around. And now, with the relationships that I've sustained with friends and family alike since then, it does feel like everyone knows that nothing has changed. But I want to reflect on that thought for a moment, because I feel like it held me back as well. I was so set on not wanting my world to change as a result of coming out, that for a long time I stuck to the comfort of the world that I knew. Most, if not all, of my close friends from college and my immediate network after college were straight. It was irrelevant because they were my besties, but there were moments of loneliness that came with being the only one in your circle navigating your experience, and feeling like finding a gay community was an overwhelming task in a city that could feel a little superficial. It wasn't until 2018 that I realized I needed to continue my coming out journey. I may have stepped outside the closet door, but I needed to keep walking, take a deep breath of gay air, and smell the gay roses. It was on me to surround myself with the gay world that I wanted to live in. So I stepped up the effort to make more gay friends, found a gay roommate, and was able to find a community of amazing queerdos thanks to Learn the Words Bitch, a lip-sync show at Act Bar in Silver Lake that I love to watch and participate in. Some of my guests have performed there as well, and some of them even host and run the entire event. But I wouldn't have met any of them if I didn't realize that coming out is a lifelong event that shedding your fears, insecurities, and anxieties is a daily practice, and that life is a drive-through, so you can't expect to get the order you want if you don't put yourself out there and ask for it. I apologize for the metaphor, I am very hungry. Overall, I feel incredibly lucky to look back in my journey and see that I've made a lot of progress in terms of how I see myself and finding where I fit into the universe. And I feel even luckier to have built a life where I'm now able to have these conversations with a community of friends who have walked a mile in my shoes and share them with listeners who may be able to apply what they heard to their own life. So take it from this gay Halloween lover, live life like it's October 31st every day. Embrace transformation, face your fears, and with the right amount of imagination, you'll never be the same thing twice. We'll be right back with more from the Closet Space. Welcome back to the closet space. My episode featuring me continues. Hair today, gone tomorrow. You can't hear it in my voice, but I'm bald. I know that until now you've been picturing me with a lustrous black mane flowing down to my knees, but sadly, I will have to shatter that illusion for you. I started losing my hair at a pretty young age, around 21, roughly a year or so after having come out as gay, and it felt like as soon as one closet door opened, I had to shut myself behind another one, and I'd end up staying in that closet for nine years. For as long as I can remember, I have had a complicated relationship with my hair. In elementary school, I remember that I was upset that I couldn't spike my hair, the style du jour, thanks to the frosty tips of my boy band idols. My friends could pull it off, but my hair was thick and wavy, and when I put gel in it, I just looked like a fifth grader who wanted to bust your kneecaps for not paying the don on time. But I got over it. At least my hair was here to stay. Every hairdresser I went to as a kid did the same routine. Whoa, my clippers are going to break off on this kid's head. Your dad still got all his hair? Yes, I would reply confidently. Oh, how naive I was. Around the beginning of high school, I realized I could straighten my hair with a straightening iron, which became my routine going through college. I styled it into a Liberty Spike sort of situation, which my mom dubbed the fringe. But by the time I started losing my hair, my straightening became less of an aesthetic choice and more of a necessity. Now, without styling it a certain way, it became evident that I was losing my hair, and I was not prepared to have that conversation in my 20s. So I hid behind my straightening iron and eventually beanies on days when I didn't want to go through a hair routine in the morning. Ultimately, though, as a new graduate entering the workforce, I realized that this was unsustainable. Not every office in L.A. is going to let you wear a beanie to work. I made up my mind that I was not going to lose this fight. I was not going to lose my hair. As soon as I had the money, I was going to buy my hair back. Mother Nature ain't got shit on me. I had been looking into hair restoration surgery and ultimately felt like that that was my best option. So at 25, I used some of my first professional paychecks to pay for the Bosley procedure. If you don't know how it works, let me enlighten you. A surgeon numbs your entire scalp and then cuts out a small section of scalp from the back of your head. That is the donor section from which they will pull all the hair follicles. Then they proceed to drill a small hair-sized hole on the top of your scalp for each hair that they will be reinserting. This can be anywhere from 250 to 500 in a sitting. Each hair from the donor section is then planted into the scalp and once recovered, will grow as normal. Super gross stuff. But I paint that picture for you to understand the shame and horror that many men, including myself, associate or associated with balding and the lengths that some will go to avoid it. Ultimately though, after the healing process, my hair didn't restore itself to its former glory. I had hair on my head and a hairline, but it was far from what it used to be. And I still had to straighten it to cover up a not-so-thick head of hair. And I still wore beanies to help me hide it all away. I wore beanies so often that my good friends would get me beanies for my birthday. And even though I look great in a beanie, it hurt because wearing them felt like building a closet on top of my head. I just wanted to hide. I wore them to bars, the office, to Palm Springs or Hawaii. If I wanted, I could sign up for more procedures and pay more money and get more hair, but it became clear after too long that more hair was not going to solve my problems. I didn't have a hair deficit. I had a self-love deficit. I didn't want to feel like I was unworthy or unlovable just because I didn't have hair. I wanted to be able to confidently say that I could love myself no matter how I looked, and I wanted that from the people around me. But you can't be loved for who you are unless you reveal who you are. So on Leap Day 2020, I bit the bullet and shaved my head. It took a lot of psyching up, but I got it done. There I was, no hair, and the world wasn't ending. Well, technically it was, because days later we would go into our first COVID lockdowns. But I was still in one piece. Honestly, not even a bad-looking piece either. It was a truly liberating day. There's a short story by Vonnegut where people live their lives saddled with weights, but once they break free, they can fly, and I felt very similarly unburdened. It's been over a year now, living as a sexy, bald man, but I can't tell you how much this time has given back to me. I feel ten years younger. I'm finally putting my head back underwater in pools after years, Guys rub their hands across my stubbly scalp and smile. I don't fear windy days messing up my dew, I just wonder where they will take me. Shaving my hair did reveal the surgery scar on the back of my head from my restoration procedure, but it's hard for me not to love it. It's a battle scar. I was at war with myself, and I'm very happy to report that after years of bloodshed, I won. Until next time, I'm Vic Ravindran, and thank you so much for joining me in the closet space.